Welcome to Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, June 19th. I'm Anastasia Glova. With the completion of the troop buildup in Iraq last week, the surge has again been in the news. But the news, according to many analysts, is not good. Violence has not only not abated, but increased, and the Iraqi Congress has made no progress towards compromise. Yet General David Petraeus and Defense Secretary Robert Gates insist it's too early to judge. Let's see what Cato's foreign policy director, Chris Preble, has to say. The troop buildup to 160,000 troops in Iraq has just been completed. In your estimation, is the surge working? By the criteria that the Bush administration established, the answer is no. They had hoped to dramatically reduce the violence in Iraq such that they would carve out a space for political reconciliation. There have been some hopeful signs in the sense that violence has been reduced in some places, but it has also increased in other places. And we've seen this pattern in the past, and the nature of the violence has changed from more sectarian killing kind of revenge killing and one-for-one neighborhood by neighborhood. Now it has shifted to more terrorism and car bombs and those kinds of things. But the key point is that there has been very little, if any, progress on political reconciliation. The two key points being the sharing of oil revenues between the three main groups and some semblance of a desire or willingness on the part of the Iraqi politicians to take greater and greater responsibility for security. Neither of those things have happened. And again, that is the criteria the president set forth as being why the surge was instituted. And so I think by his own standards, the surge has not worked yet. Perhaps it's just too early to tell whether the surge is working. General Petraeus and Ambassador to Iraq Ryan Crocker aren't set to speak to Congress and give their report until September, so maybe we just need to wait it out to see results. Right. The White House has already put out the word that they do not wish for September to be the point at which we make a determination on whether the surge has worked. Interestingly, though, we didn't have to wait for the White House to say that because one of the key architects of the surge, Fred Kagan, American Enterprise Institute, has said repeatedly that it's not really a surge in the sense that it was not a short-term thing. He was thinking about a very long-term U.S. presence, as have his other colleagues there. And if you believe that the U.S. should remain in Iraq for an indefinite period of time, which is Kagan's position and others, other advocates of the surge, then you shouldn't be expecting to see great results. The key issue, however, is for the political will in the country. The political will in the country has turned decisively against the war. And so whether it would take six months or six years or 60 years to stabilize Iraq, the American public, I think wisely, is not prepared to pay those kinds of costs. And so the issue is how do you achieve your objectives? Have you already achieved your objectives? In which case, does it make sense? I think it does to cut your losses. Well, certainly it's looking like that kind of long-term commitment is exactly what we've made in Iraq, and General Petraeus has said as much on Sunday, indicating that we'll need another decade before we stabilize the country. Can the U.S. keep that kind of commitment? Well, there's a question of can we, and there's the other issue of should we, because the White House also tossed out the idea of using South Korea as a model for Iraq, which would imply a very, very long-term presence. We've been in South Korea now for over 50 years. Again, the issue is not can we do so, but should we do so? Should we pledge our country, our country's resources, potentially the lives of our young men and women to defend another country indefinitely? I think the answer is no, and I think most Americans agree with me. And so the issue really politically is how will this sentiment, this very strong public sentiment, 
be communicated into policy? And that's a very, very difficult question, because while the founders believe very strongly that foreign policy should be jointly held responsibility between Congress and the executive branch, over time that power has shifted rather decisively to the White House. And so, so long as the president and his key advisors are committed to an open-ended presence in Iraq, essentially indefinite presence, Congress's ability to change that policy is actually quite limited. Speaking of power shifts, is there any indication that the Iraqi Congress will at any point be prepared to take the reins from the United States? They've so far failed to meet our benchmarks to any extent, and they've really failed to reach any kind of governmental consensus. I think that is the key question. That's been the key question for some time. We have known, as most Iraqi politicians have known, what needs to be done in order to achieve political reconciliation. And the question that we should have been asking for the last three and a half years is, why has that not happened? And the answer is actually quite straightforward. The dominant Shia community does not feel the need to compromise. The Kurdish community has much of what they want in a autonomous region in the north and trying to carve out the ability over the longer term to sustain that autonomous region, potentially even independence. And the Sunnis are not prepared to compromise from a position of weakness. So I think that explains why there hasn't been a political reconciliation. And I think it's incumbent upon the advocates for the surge who said that the reduction in violence or hopeful reduction in violence would pave the way for political reconciliation to explain in much more detail how that actually plays out, because it hasn't work that way. And I see very few signs of a desire on the part of Iraqi politicians to make these kind of difficult choices, again, because most of them, each for different reasons, don't feel the need to move forward from a position of compromise, to make compromises. Putting politics aside, what about our troops there? Uh, The Golden Mosque in Samarra was attacked again last week, and the months April through June were some of the bloodiest of the entire war. So are there any signs of a let-up in coming months? Well, it is true that casualties among U.S. forces are up, and this was predicted by both critics and advocates of the surge. The advocates of the surge, including General Petraeus himself, has been quite explicit on the point that to conduct effective counterinsurgency requires a very close contact with the enemy, exposing yourself to greater risk in the hope that by exposing yourself to greater risk, you'll encourage others to step forward and make compromises and also to provide useful intelligence and help. That has happened in some instances. We've seen some hopeful signs in Anbar province where Sunni tribes have cooperated with the United States against al-Qaeda, but in other places it hasn't transpired that way. And in the meantime, the U.S. forces are in a much more vulnerable position. They are out of their bases. They're operating amongst the population. They're more subject to targeting by IEDs and explosive devices and terrorist attacks, but also from sniper fire and whatnot. So again, the advocates of the surge knew this. They made the case for the surge, recognizing that it was likely to cause an increase in U.S. casualties, at least in the short term, and that's exactly what has happened. Thank you, Chris. Remember, if you like what you hear in the Cato Daily Podcast, you can learn more at our website, www.cato.org.